Hello, uh, Steve here again, and uh, welcome to this very special episode of Actually, It's Way Better Than That. Um, and today we're going to be talking LARPing, live action role play. We're going to be talking to one of the UK's number one LARPing experts and facilitators. Hello, one of the UK's number one LARPing experts and facilitators. Who are you? Uh, my name is uh, Amy Mason. I, I don't remember putting that on my CV, but like, if you're willing to say it, I'll start quoting it on material. See, that's how awards get done, you know? Yeah. Awards yeah. are all made up. They're not real. I mean, everything's made up. It's not real. But they, they're more made up than anything else. And a quote like that, like, it doesn't have to be... Nobody's going to come over and go, how dare you? Unless there are a lot of LARP people. Maybe maybe the number one, like, LARPer and LARP facilitator in the UK might, might, you know, have some quiet words. But, like, frankly, who's going to listen to them? Yeah, it'd be like being bullied by by a Tiddlywinks champion. Now, um, Dungeons and Dragon players will know that uh, LARPers are the only people we consider worse than us. Uh, Comedians will know that... um, uh, below us, the only people below us on the performance um, squash ladder are, of course, uh, poets. Uh, they're well down. Uh, improvised theatre, scraping in below poets and LARPers, uh, scraping in even lower than them. But I thought this was very ignorant of me to have these beliefs, you know, to believe that LARPing is just a bunch of 29-year-old virgins running around in the woods in Leicestershire shouting double damage at each other. And um, Amy's come here to tell me that actually... It is way more interesting than that. So, Amy, what's your LARPing history? Um, so I got into LARP. Uh, <laughs> I got into LARP because I was doing theatrical makeup and a friend who was helping write one of what at the time was one of the largest LARPs in the UK, which was called um, Odyssey, which was an ancient world's LARP. So it was, you know, what, what if the myths of the Romans, the Greeks, uh, the Egyptians, the Persians were all sort of true? Uh, mm. And that after... Uh, a great war with Alexander the Great in which the humans had tried to take on gods. The gods had said, hey, wait a minute, we don't like this. We're under threat. Ban all wars, ban all fighting. You have to settle everything once a year in small set battles that conveniently are small enough that we can actually fizz rep them. And fizz yeah. rep is physically rep, rep what is it? Physically, represent. Physically phys- represent, as in, you know, we, we, so, we can actually set this up and have it look like the thing we say it is. That's really good because I always get very upset with them. Um, uh, war battle reenactors, who I'm sure you consider even lower than LARPers, because um, they say we're reenacting the Battle of Culloden, and there's like 27 people there, and you're like, you're not reenacting it. So I quite like the way Odyssey has come up with a conceit that says, of course, there's only 12 people in this. That's what the gods have decreed. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the gods have put so, so some fairly heavy limits on how many people could fight at each time, uh, which conveniently balanced out so that roughly, you know, all the people who wanted to fight could have two or three fights a, a weekend and, uh, you know, a couple of quests, go see some gods. Uh, I got to play God, which was <gasps> jolly good fun. Which god were you? I did Artemis. <gasps> Artemis and Artemis as Nemesis, which, which varied from extremely angry goth girl and a lot of eyeliner who kept throwing things around the tent and screaming to... Uh, when they uh, uh, changed her personality through through magical means and accidentally got a tiny bubbly airhead in a blonde and pink wig going, hi! <laughs> Which they were not super pleased about, actually. They kind of wanted the angry goth back. Yeah, no doubt. No 
doubt. Imagine that. Well, you know, you're walking in to see one of the gods and you're just greeted with a girl from South California. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the main joke thing. we had is we spent a fortune on god costumes and, you know, visual special effects for the tent. And we really shouldn't have bothered. We should have just spent it all on very expensive sandals because most people would just sort of face plant into the ground as soon as they came in the tent. It took quite a while to convince people to look up above our knees. Oh, because you were gods, of course. Yeah, because we were gods. Is LARPing expensive? LARPing is on average expensive. Um, The problem is to say, to to put a cost on LARPing is kind of like saying, is going to the theatre expensive? It can obviously be extraordinarily expensive if you're going to something that's incredibly high end with very heavy production values. Mm. But if you just want to like go to a small local LARP that's 10 people running around in your local woods, you probably don't even necessarily have to pay anything other than the cost to get there because Mm. particularly if you're new people will desperately lend you kit lend you weapons tell you how their system works anything to get you sort Mm. of in on what's going on it's good you're making it sound a little bit like a cult it's free to start and then we start extracting money from you um so you did odyssey what Mm -hmm. happened then So Odyssey's run by a company called Profound Decisions, and the end of Odyssey sort of ran into their new game, which still runs, which is called Empire, um, which I think is the UK's biggest LARP, um, which is basically more medieval set, sort of a medieval-ish inspired fantasy universe where you play. There there are 10 nations who work together in a big empire to attempt to oppress everyone else around them uh, with giant set battle pieces so we're talking sort of four five hundred people fighting each other in a woods rather than 12 and um you know huge it's about two and a half thousand people in a field intense um and one of the and it's really um disproportionately sized so one of the nations wintermark is far larger than any of the rest to the point where wintermark in itself can apparently claim to be the fifth largest larp uh, in the uk because it's just got so many people in turning up for each weekend i've got so many questions first of all why do they all want to join Wintermark? Uh, because it's viking-esque kit so it's the easiest uh, to get hold of okay Okay, I like it. I like it. Yeah, so, so, so part of it is it's a bit more familiar. Yeah, there's just for some reason it's it's a little bit easier to get hold of the kit. People find it a bit familiar. And also because it's the biggest, mm. it has the most people recruiting more people for the cult. Of course, of course. And Skyrim, let's not forget. Yeah, well, Skyrim, yeah, there's a lot of sort of roots into it. Whereas um, some of the nations, you know, it is just like, so there's one that's the League, which is very much the sort of mental image is sort of Renaissance city-state. So it's, the costume's very Tudors, very the Borgias. Um, and so it's just, there's, it's very hard to do on the cheap and yeah. look as good as the people who are looking good. Whereas sounds Wintermark, like a good one to be in if you're just a straight man that wants to perv on people, though. I mean, I'm not sure any of them are great to be a straight man who wants to perv on people because generally we don't really like that as a community and try to discourage it. I don't know. Like, I generally found the Brass Coast best for for, for pretty people. What's the Brass Coast? So the Brass Coast very much inspired by Spain, but South Islamic Spain. Right. So before um, before it's taken over by, you know, sort of the Crusades, Christians pushing... um, the sort of more uh, Islamic influence out. So it's lots of very nice flow- flowing clothes. Oh, Lovely wonderful. to play in the summer months, horrible to play in the winter. Yeah, totally. And so you said four, four or 500 people have a fight. How yeah. is the fight uh, done? Determined Because I know in D&D we roll dice and in real life you stab someone to death. And I'm not really clear what the in-between is on those two. Um, so every person who goes out to fight has 
like like in D&D, a certain number of hits. Like, you know, you, you know, I can get hit twice and then I'll fall over and be dying. Or if you've spent a lot of like your startup stats in being a hardcore fighter, you might be able to be hit eight or nine times before you fall over. I and tend then to play have... sorcerers. I'm very squishy. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I do. I do similar when I've when I've bothered. Um, and then you have these really like foam weapons that are somewhere between so squishy that you wouldn't notice you'd be hit and hard enough to actually bruise. Yeah. Um, where you know you definitely notice you're being hit, but as long as the person's pulling your their blows, which mm, some people don't do, but most people do do well. Mm. Um, like you know, you, you feel it, but it doesn't hurt. And then you, you know, react as if you've been terribly injured. And if you're lucky, a healer will come fix you. And if not, you might be abandoned by all your friends dying on the battlefield. Get to scream and shout at them as they go. Okay, I've got a number of questions still. Do you have refs or does it rely on player honesty? Yes, to both of those. Yes, there are refs, but yes, it relies on player honesty. So it's, it's, you know, 95% a system that relies on you keeping tabs on you and, you know, playing by the rules of the game. And part of that is, it's honestly, most of the time, it's a lot more fun to be injured and dying and traumatising mm. your friends with your the, the, with them having to abandon your dying body as they flee yeah. to safety than it is to ignore the fact that you're getting hit and be uh, invincible. But yeah. there's always some people who are wankers because yes. it's life. And, you know, one, there are like various refs and one of the things they do is if they get a lot of reports that someone is perhaps not playing by the rules of the system, they go and keep a closer eye on them and might come up and go, <clears throat> how many hit points do you have? Mm. Do you though? I understand. I understand. I think the joy would be losing all your hit points quickly and then bleeding to death over half an hour or so whilst moaning. Still not not doing anything. You know, your weapons are abandoned and you're on the floor, but just coughing away, begging. Mm. That, that would be the fun bit. Now, Empire, mm-hmm. does it have magic? Yes. Okay, so I know it, I can understand you hit you with a foam sword and you're dead. Yeah. How do you do magic effects? Mostly uh, through shouting. Right. Um, so, so you know, there's various types of magic. So there's like, you can do big rituals where refs are involved and it has some sort of wider impact on the world beyond, you know, exactly the way you're standing and what you're doing. You can do rituals, for example, that will change other people's skills and other people's hit points. Mm-hmm. You can do things that will empower, you know, the, the thing you shout about, like shouting double damage. You, you, there are shouts of things like impale um, and things that will allow, you know, some players wear armour and whether or not hits count against that armour mm. depends on, you know, whether or not they're shouting something when they hit you. Mm. Um, and magic can change that. Magic can also do healing. Um, but also what magic can really do, where the real fun is for me, is magic can put roleplay effects on other people. Ooh! Force so you, them to act? Yes. So you Somebody's can just people. come as a min-maxed barbarian. Uh, yeah, so you, you can them. I think my favourite bit of roleplay in the whole of Empire so far is I, um, I nicked my sister's fiance, my in character sister's fiance, not my real, my in character sister's in character fiance. I don't want to be clear. No one in this situation was actually really hurt or unhappy. I think. I think this. I mean, people always say you roleplay what you secretly want to be. Um, I mean, I, I think. There's aspects, but like given the amount of time I've played a bad mother who's murdered all her children and is lying to all the players, I really hope that's not true. Yeah, I, I'd nicked my in-character sister's in-character fiance, um, which because me and my, my in-character sister had a really close relationship, he was getting all the blame for. 
Uh, and, you know, we were playing this all up, but um, he ended up, the, the, the eventual situation was he was permitted to marry me, but first he had to be cursed. And because he came, came from a, a nation called the Marches, which is basically ye oldie War of Roses England. Nice. Very, very keen on their pigs and potatoes. Mm. Uh, he was uh, cursed to hear um, uh, loud music and screaming whenever he saw a potato for two days. <sighs> which, um, you know, glorious. The first time we pulled the potato on him was in the middle of, he, he was playing a very prosperous merchant. He was in the middle of an auction bidding war. And I just pulled out a potato and he ended up screaming on the floor. And everyone in the room was like, I'm, I'm sorry, what's happening here? And I'm like, nothing. It's all fine. Yeah. <laughs> They're Nothing all going, unusual. is this in the game? Is this but, a hypnotic trigger you've embedded him in him in his normal life? Yeah. But we discovered that the caterers will provide small potatoes for ritual purposes. And we discovered that small children learn very, very quickly that if you chase after someone with your hands cut together, they don't know whether or not you've, you've got a potato and have to run away anyway. Phenomenal. Now, how extreme is your role play? Did you, uh, did you snog the stolen fiancé? I'm not super keen on that level of physical contact. And one of the things I tend to do, not everyone does, but but I tend to do is we had a long discussion beforehand because he's married to someone else. Mm. I'm in a relationship with someone else. And so, you know, we had a very careful discussion about how can we physically represent that we are in love mm. without actually snogging. And there are some people I've snogged in role play because I'm very close to them and don't mind snogging them anyway. But in this case, we did a lot of holding hands, clasping each other's shoulders, sort of, you know, hand, um, you know, back of the hand on the cheek to indicate mm. affection and leaning into it. Lots of mm. stuff that is, you know, signals to people that you are a close mm. couple without yeah. actually going down the sex route. Talking about now, how bad they are at loading a dishwasher. Now, if you want a fun That's discussion, awesome. the variety of ways of representing sex and LARP is a constant and ongoing battle, particularly very different methods of it. Um, there's the whole gambit, right? There's, there's I love right that from... you've, you've all got combat down to, yeah. I tap you with a sword, that's one hit point off. Yeah. And then it's like, uh, what about sex? Well. Well, yeah. So the, the traditional British method of sex that I was taught was you both go in a tent and have a cup of tea and then you ruffle your hair and you leave. Now, is that in LARP or is that in life? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's how we do sex. We're British. So, you know, you, you, you close yourself off from everyone else and you come out with ruffled hair. Now, um, or, or another technique that you see a lot was, was sort of a fade to black technique where someone would go, OK, we're doing a bit of snog, cut, sex has now occurred, or in the case of Odyssey, an orgy has now occurred. Please go and tell your name to the front desk if you were taking part in the orgy so that we can sort out, you know, God-based pregnancies later. Yeah, normal stuff. A ref comes over to you and is like, you've got an STI from Zeus. Yes. Wonderful. <laughs> um, and then it goes to, there's something called Arzamandi, which is popular in some games where sex is fizzret by staring deeply into someone's eyes and rubbing your hands over their arms. God, I'd actually feel less violated if someone just shagged me. Yes, that staring is in their the eyes. response. Oh. Yeah, no, I, 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 I have a similar response and a lot of people have a similar response. But why? Why would you put eye contact in? That's just too no. intimate. No. Oh, my character always wears shades. Uh, yeah. I'm Geordie LaForge off of Star Trek The Next Generation. And then it goes all the way up the gambit to such glorious techniques as uh, theatre style sex, which involves taking your clothes off and grinding. 
or as some people would call it, sex. That's just sex. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's not a LARP at that point. That's a different thing. That needs a license. Uh, yes, there is a Facebook group called uh, Just Call It an Orgy and We'll Have a Deal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. like, you know, the, the, the maybe, maybe at this point you, you may as well just call it a kink club and the LARP could be optional. Hello, friends. Steve here in a little break. Um, some of you who've only listened to me in podcast land might not know that my actual real job is that I'm a live comedian and I do live nerdy comedy shows featuring nerds. And they're back! The first one is September the 15th. We're in the basement, um, so there's no lift, so be aware of that, of the Harrison in King's Cross. And there will be seven wonderful sciencey nerds and me. I'm hosting it. I'm always hosting it. And you can come and see us. Tickets are available from scienceshowoff.org. There'll be a gig every month, but the first one is the 15th of September. See you there. Let's let's bring this back because it's got a bit <laughs> sordid. Let's bring this back to like you know role play rather yeah. than if you're just actually shagging but, for real. There's no role play going on there. Yeah, but like epic romance, you don't necessarily need much physical interaction to sell people on a physical romance. If you think about films, if you think about the odd theater, handkerchief. Yeah, swoon a bit. Well, yeah, it's 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 more about how you react to them being around and how you talk to them and how you change the priorities of your character in response to them than necessarily, you know, okay. getting lips and tongues involved. So tell me, what other... I want to clean this up now. What other types of LARP have you done? Don't just list sex LARPs. What other types <laughs> of... You, you've told us about Odyssey and that became Empire. Yeah. What other stuff have you done? Because that sounds to me like major label corporate LARP. Well, which is where I started, I want to hear right? about indie LARP, right? Mm. I want to hear about the cool people. I want to hear about the new wave Oh, well, I mean, they're all over the place. Like, you get you get stuff that's, you know, where you only hear about it afterwards because it was that cool. Um, um, there was one my friend Bryony wrote and, and ran for her birthday, which I think was probably one of my favourite LARPs I've ever been to, um, which was all about uh, the concept of female oppression. And so there were only women playing, apart from one... Yeah, non-player character, NPC, which was being played by her husband, who was mm-hmm. the bad guy. Who at um, least gets to be there. That's the main reason, presumably. Uh, really- he actually had a really difficult weekend. He wasn't expecting how hard it was to just spend your time continually oppressing people. Um, God damn. When, when you're actually nice. Um, but it was all, the idea was it was 1950s and we'd all been sent to a school for correctional behaviour for adult women for one reason or another. Um, from just to like, double check, this isn't a sex LARP. It's not it a sex sounding LARP. like a setup for a sex LARP. No, there was no sex. The literal school for naughty women that you've all been <laughs> sent to on a residential basis. Yeah. Anyway, right. So you've all been sent to this. Um, and, and the idea disguised... was that we were going to have like, you know, classes on etiquette and, you know, preparing a banquet for your husband's colleagues when they come unexpectedly home and, you know, doing proper feminine makeup. Not, you know, not too much, not too little, proper makeup, um, which is where it started off. And The sort of uh, makeup where you take a picture and you put it on uh, Flickr, on um, Instagram with no makeup selfie. And everyone's yeah, like, but that. you have got makeup on. Exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and basically in the school had one headmaster and two teachers who were, you know, both a little strange and every so often a bell would ring and they'd all disappear off to a room no one was allowed to go into for 10 minutes and then come back out, uh, which obviously got increasingly suspicious. Was their hair ruffled? 
The hair was not ruffled. Oh, yeah, there was okay. no so sex occurring in the slot. And when we when we arrived, we we'd come with in character suitcases, and they searched all our suitcases for contraband, which was great. So they seized all our our trousers, um, our cigarettes, our alcohol, our chocolates. Um, my all my literature books um, got seized, and I was like, "But will I get Subversive. them back?" And both teachers in unison just went, "Oh, I mean, I suppose, but you won't want them by then." Nice. Uh, and what we discover is there is a uh, a mind controlling mold pervading the house that is slowly forcing everyone to act in accordance with this weird 1950s ideal housewife way. And if we don't escape in the next few days, we will act that way too. And for large chunks of this lot, there was nothing we could do about it, but sit with the knowledge that it was all going to go wrong and the role play effects that were coming onto us, which were great. Um, I had one on me for about three hours, which is you, you need to go and cook. And simultaneously, a friend of mine had one saying, you need to go and clean. And we were both in the kitchen. I kept on trying to stir the soup and she kept on taking the spoon off me and cleaning it. <laughs> Just back and forth. Um, other people had one saying, you know, you want to look pretty and dress nicely. And then there were also ones of ones that were around the sort of theme of, um, like more about attitude and stuff like there was one that was great because there was they weren't all playing on femininity some were playing on like sort of more stereotypes of female oppression so there was a, a, basically the only real argument about leadership and who was who was doing what at any time we had was when someone was under a role play effect of uh, you were in charge of the group any good ideas must have come from you <laughs> which just caused all sorts of um hassle until we could solve it and um i think i know a bunch of people who are role-playing that one permanently yeah 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 um turns out the uh, the 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 solution was often to behave in slightly rebellious ways uh, of which my favorite was we discovered you could only go in the secret room if you were wearing appropriate amounts of makeup but that it didn't care where you were wearing those appropriate amounts of makeup so we started having like lipstick smeared on our on our on our cheeks in a sort of like you know sort of more almost like, you know, fighting camouflage patterns for, you know, we're doing the thing to get in there, but we're not doing it the way you like. Um, and one of the options we had for solving the problem was for a while, for a long while, it didn't seem like there was any way to get rid of the mold. All we could do is change how it was mind controlling people. Mm. And so we could have imposed a new set of ideals that it would then impose on all the women who came to the school. And we were kind of like, no, that's rubbish too, though. Oh, no, this is all all bad. And then there was a whole bunch of stuff around the feelings of, but what if we just gave in? Like, they're clearly happy. The people who graduate have... is happy. Yeah. They fit in with society. Everything would just be easier. Let's just have a fun day talking about dresses. Yeah. I mean, we did We did a lot of singing. We did a lot of embroidery. We did a lot of cooking. Uh, you know, we did a lot of things that you know, there was no fighting. There was no physical fighting. Mm. We did eventually, we, we defeated him with cake with a lot of emotions in. Wow. How we made him eat it and we brushed his hair. Wow. You didn't just, just burn, burn the whole place down. Just no, the burning the whole place down was the worst. They, they, <laughs> Bryony saw that solution coming. Yeah. <laughs> burning the whole place down would have caused the spores to get released into the atmosphere and it would have spread spores. over a wider area. Good. Um, then you can role play it again, but bigger and Bryony can sell more tickets and make loads of money. <laughs> She no one, think this no true. one, no one makes money from LARP. Oh dear, oh dear. Or very few people make money from LARP. Okay, 
Well, I, presumably the people who sell you all the foam swords and all that sort of stuff. They just about make a living. Right. <laughs> they don't okay. like because because the market is not big yep. and because the swords are very time intensive to make. Yep. It's always this sort of competition of how much will people actually pay for this thing that takes 20 hours to make? And the Oof. answer is, oh, about, you know, 20 hours at a living wage plus materials. Sword fighting. This mm-hmm. is what I want to ask about. So in a normal sword fight, if you have to actually hit someone properly with a sword to hurt them, in LARPing, mm-hmm. do you have to hit them properly or just like any bit of the sword touching you count as a hit? So you've got got to fight safely. So you want to hit them with, you know, you, you can't poke them with the tip with most weapons because the tip, you know, you do get some collapsible weapons that are safe to like, that are called yeah. stab safe, but they're rare. Mostly what you've got are ones where you're okay to sort of like swoop in and hit them from the sides. So you do mm. a lot of sort of like side swooping coming in from the left and the right. And you're sort of aiming to sort of ideally tap, you know, upper arms, legs, torso. Mm-hmm. You don't really want to aim for the head if you can avoid mm-hmm. it. I only ask because I was watching a video about um, how you would fight with lightsabers if they were real. And the answer is you wouldn't swing them around all over the place. You'd just constantly be trying to poke the other person. Get your body as far back as possible. Stick your arm out. Because a touch is basically death with the lightsaber. Yeah. And the person I mean, I've, said, I've never understood li- 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 uh, lightsabers as weapons because they seem far too dangerous to ever let anyone play with. Yeah. Yeah. Like the learning curve. That's yeah. why there aren't that many Jedi, it turns out. There's yeah. a million well, I mean, the first, start. The, I mean, like, like, most powerful Jedi, Luke, first thing he does is look straight down the barrel of the weapon <laughs> that could <laughs> turn on and shoot him in the face. We've all been there. It's the best way to check the uh, check whether it's loaded. Um, so you do... What What stuff have you got coming up? What what uh, Are there LARPs on the horizon? Presumably COVID. Knackered. So COVID killed everything off but online LARPs for... Mm quite a while things have started to come back um people are really nervous i think on top of everything because it you know it is basically a thing where you drag a load of people who don't know each other into an area and then have them interact in intimate ways as if they know each other and then send them back to their real families and it's just like mm. it's not great from an infection control point of view um but as things are opening up things have started you know ha- happening again i'm hoping to run something in november called pride without prejudice which um, I ran once before, before the pandemic, and there was supposed to be a run uh, in 2020, but obviously that got cancelled, which is the concept of being at a ball in an Austen novel, but we've taken away a lot of the things I don't like about the 1800s, like the racism, the sexism, the homophobia, the transphobia, uh, and just I've written a slightly fantasy version of the 1800s where you don't have any of that, but you do still have a lot of class prejudice and you do still have a lot of, you know, financial prejudice. Uh, and so you still got very much that experience of being, you know, Lizzie Bennett stuck trying to find someone to marry, ideally by the end of the night. Um, but it doesn't matter whether you're trying to marry a boy, a girl or someone else uh, or, you know, and it doesn't matter you know, what colour you are, and it doesn't matter whether you're intending to physically have children with them or not. It's all about, but society demands that you must be coupled up for reasons of society and inheritance. There's a bit of dancing, there's some gambling, and uh, there's my favourite section, which is there's a whole bunch of traditional Regency parlour games, which is the thing that doesn't often get shown on the big screen, but was very popular at the time, which is what, what people did to flirt is you'd go and play these, you know, almost very Twister. silly. I mean, a bit, yeah. The ultimate teenage flirting game. Yeah, um, one that was very popular at the time was was um, 
putting yourself into poses like Greek statues. Because boot statues are very popular at the time. that We just nicked the Parthenon marbles. Yep. Um, and obviously, some of those Greek statues are in quite racy positions. Mm. Um, but also, like, you know, things like, uh, oh, we're going to pair people off arbitrarily and then come up with good reasons why they would make a couple. And they all have, and they have to each, like, give a reason why they like the other person, which could oh, be a very good oh, opportunity to I can't imagine to myself in a couple yeah. with them. <laughs> exactly. Um, and also a lot of... Um, Games that ended in forfeits, and forfeits would often involve kissing mm. or or telling someone you liked them or, you know, something like these, this. These sound very good. This sounds very uh, neurodiverse in its approach. Take away all that complicated, unstructured flirting of going up to people you don't know and trying to talk to them and replace it with things with definite outcomes and processes. I'm I mean, very down. I'm very down with that. My, my absolute favourite one, though, is there was a lovely there was a lovely forfeit that was traditionally given to uh, younger men, which was to go kiss every woman in the room Spanish fashion. And you're thinking that doesn't that doesn't sound too bad until you find out what Spanish fashion was. And Spanish fashion was an elderly female relative of yours would be appointed your duenna. She would kiss all the ladies, and then she would whack you around the face with a wet handkerchief to pass the kisses on. None of this sounds fun. Yes, that's why it's that's, a forfeit. I, I, I mean... Oh, it sounds fun for the older ladies. Part of me is like, how is that Spanish? I thought in the UK when you put the name of a Catholic country in front of it, it immediately becomes racier. <laughs> uh, I think that would have been the French at the time. Yeah, we've got a really bad idea of Catholicism as well. Mm. I've been to uh, Ireland. There's nothing racy about Catholicism. You don't even get the wine if you're a normal punter. That really threw me as someone raised Anglican. I'm like, but he's just downing all the wine. <laughs> <laughs> I've got um, another game that I'm writing. It's a Tudor game. And one of the characters in that, who are all based on genuine characters at the Tudor court at one point mm. in Henry's reign, is um, a gentleman who is thrown out as the French ambassador for doing too much drinking and whoring. Wow. From the French court. Yeah, I know. I yeah. Know. It's like there's a certain amount built in, mate, but you've gone too far. Yeah. You've gone too far. That sounds incredible. So if our listeners are thinking, do you know what? Um, this does sound all right. What would you recommend they do? Because presumably there's like there's great games and there's terrible games and there's good providers and there's dodgy providers and there's a positive community and a weird. Mm. Like where where should people start? I mean, the easiest place to start is usually finding out if there is um, a local game that runs near you, um, because if nothing else, that's probably the lowest cost yeah. um, to joining. Um, presumably that will always be on Facebook or something. Looking on Facebook is generally, yeah, pretty much the LARP community runs on Facebook and the people who drop out of Facebook find it very hard to for hear about LARPs because if you advertise your LARP on Facebook, you can usually sell it out without having to advertise anywhere else. So why bother um but joining facebook communities like there are you know there are uk LARP communities there's a massive empire forum there are massive empire facebook groups for all the different nations um i mean my 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 LARP has a web page and you can find some LARPs by searching LARP. um particularly the bigger european games tend to advertise via websites rather than by facebook or by a combination mm -hmm. of both but they those games tend to be or certainly of the ones that make websites to advertise, you're talking about costs in the sort of like four, five hundred pounds plus flights, um, you know, but you get like 
the, the, the big blockbuster European LARPs are bizarrely amazing. They, you know, they, they take over entire schools and rebuild them for a month before mm. running the game. Like I went to one that was basically Battlestar Galactica with the serial numbers filed off and they built false walls. They built like they built an entire like warp core with like that lit up and had sound effects and that you could control wow. via a light deck that then had sensors that t- told it what colors you'd set it to. And that changed how fast the ship could move in the command. And it had, um, a computer system called Empty Epsilon running on the deck, which has like you know, seven or eight screens that are controlling the ship from a battle point of view, wow. and they could send in invaders. And then it had this amazing system of like, I think the best thing the whole game did was the repairs for the engineers were genius. They had fuses that were genuinely blowing and the computer would report to you the area where the fuse would blow, and you'd have to go and like check all the fuses and then replace the physical fuse to make wow. the gate. And until you did, that bit of the ship didn't work and it was disabled on the main deck and they couldn't fly the ship as well. Wow. Um, and included genuine Jeffrey's tube that you had to climb through in order to vent plasma from the warp core, which when yes. you pulled it, put smoke into the room. Amazing. All I want um, to know is that at the end of the game, somebody had to invert the polarity of something, and that's what solved the problem. No, no, it was genocide. It was genocide that solved the problem, which was, well, which like, was less good. Let me rewind. Um, <laughs> so I, it's got me thinking, you know, when does LARP become participatory theatre or immersive theatre? Um, is, there, is there a clear dividing line or is it just if you've got grant funding, it goes down as participatory theatre and if you haven't, it's LARP? Yeah, yeah. Im- immersive theatre is, is what you put on the grants and LARP is what you put yeah. on the ground. Um yeah, the, the, the line the, is incredibly blurred, particularly the, the for very niche games. Because ter- the Arts Council are terrible snobs. <laughs> they don't fund stand-up, so we always have to call it other things. And uh, I always, you know, people always say to me, what well, do you do, Steve? It's not really culture. And I'm like, like culture, <laughs> culture is just entertainment that went to yeah. school with the right people. Mm. You know, there's, there's no difference. Or, or lasted long enough. That's it as well. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Th- th- things that were incredibly bawdy, low-brow culture at the time, then, you know, if they survive la- la- long enough, they they, they, they become high yeah. art. Yeah, yeah, and it's like the, what did I go and see? Oh, some Shakespeare or other, mm. Winter's Tale maybe. And um, it has some jokes in, um, but they did different jokes on stage. They made things funny that weren't funny and they skipped the normal funny bits. People in front of me had the... Um, the text open and they were laughing at all the places where Shakespeare wrote jokes, whether those jokes were actually performed as jokes or not. And it was like, you're not even watching this play. You're just laughing at yourself reading along. Mm. Um, yeah, no, I, I, LARP sounds, I mean, once you get away from the, the staring in people's eyes, LARP sounds bearable. If the staring in people's eyes is, is very rare in the UK, we're not, we're not really into that Good. sort of thing. Um, it sounds like a lot. I mean, I do stand-up comedy because it's no effort and D&D because it's no effort. Is LARP a lot of work? Do you have to enjoy like doing things? I think it definitely attracts people who like doing things. Mm. Like it definitely has some overlap also with that reenactment crowd who want to make things by hand and physical items. Mm. Um, like certainly designing a LARP and running a LARP can be incredible amounts of work because you have to um, not just think about who the people who are playing it are and build the world. You also have to do that sort of D&D thing of vaguely have a plan for, you know, 
if things go completely off the rails, what's yeah. going on. But then in LARP, you need the props ready. Yeah, that's what <laughs> makes it hard. I can just be like, and the castle magically falls out of the sky. Yeah, Whereas yeah. LARP, you're like dialing Amazon. Can you deliver a castle to this yeah. address tomorrow? And Amazon Giant foam it. rocks fall, everyone dies. Um, while you're there, listeners, if you enjoy Rocks Fall, Everybody Dies, do go and listen to Squishy Goblins, which I've been putting up, which literally <laughs> mainly consists of rocks falling and everybody dying. I've never killed so many player characters as in that game. But, but you also get you also get LARPs that run without props, without costumes. LARPs so of a, the mind. Well, l- LARPs of the you news. Know, LARPs with strong levels of imagination going on, where rather than attempting to physically represent stuff in a believable manner you go the other way and you just draw chalk outlines on the floor and you put name labels on people and you give pieces of paper Mm -hmm. and the pieces of paper represent the objects and you just run with it but again you're still physically acting it out so it's like it's like minimalist theater larp i like everyone's in black i like the sound of it yeah you just imagine the costumes um amy thank you so much for telling us all about larp are there any things that you're doing that you would like to advertise to our lovely listeners um not super much, actually, because the Wayne game I'm running has has sold out for the moment, which was Pride Without Prejudice. Um, I'm going to have a new game at some point next year, uh, although the title is still being argued between me and my partner in that I want to call it Six Wives, uh, because it is the idea is a Henry VIII LARP where instead of going for divorce, he goes for polygamy. Right. And we're now at the end of his life, and he has the six wives, the six wives that he married, and all their courts all arguing over... Who gets Amazing. the country when he's gone? So, does this involve your partner in a fat suit and a ginger beard? No, no, uh, no. The, the role of Henry VIII is apparently is, is currently uh, being heavily competed for by several people, including someone who's currently playing Henry VIII at Hampton Court. <laughs> he wants to play it, <laughs> says he can bring his own kit, and I'm like, well, yeah. that's pretty good. That's pretty um, good. Amazing. Where, where someone else is going, I can bring my own kit and I'll cook dinner, and it's kind of like when wow. when you do sell these, where sell. do you sell them? Is there a web address people can see them on? Um, easiest thing to do is go to my link tree, which I can't remember the address for. Don't worry, I'm going to put it in the show notes. Yeah, uh, where, where I do tend to put them up, um, and uh, which only has the Pride Without Prejudice one at the moment, but the um, Six Wise one will turn up at the point where we have finally decided on a venue uh, because we're currently going through a couple of castles and trying to work out which one has the best wheelchair accessibility perfect perfect brilliant thanks so much amy listeners uh go and have a go at playing something but um keep it decent all right keep it decent <laughs> no staring in other people's eyes no the pod on prometheus was uh, written and produced and directed and cut together and sound produced and growled on by me steve crofts do come and find more of my stuff www.facebook.com slash Steve Cross Comedy. See you next time.